This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Sandman. You know, we really got to get Papoon on this program because he's an interesting guy. Uh, not only a great musician, but just an interesting guy. I'm going to reach out to him. All right. Uh, we're going to uh, tackle your questions on anything you can think of in just a moment. But in spite of what the song says, we do not want you entering Sandman or Dreamland or whatever you refer to the, uh, the state known as sleep. We want you staying awake. Because we have a fun four hours for you, which we will tell you about. But I can promise you one thing. Throughout the course of the next four hours, you will learn more on this show than you do on any other four hours of media that you consume today. And if you don't, then hopefully at least you'll be somewhat entertained. Why don't we get started with a little... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. All right, if you're new to the program, this is your hour. The other 19 hours of the week are devoted to the things that I think are interesting or the things that I think you want to hear about. This hour is all about you. You can ask whatever you like. Just make sure you get to your question right away so we can get to a lot of questions here and uh, make sure, you know, it's interesting. Now, in order to spice things up a little bit, I am going to, whoever comes up with the most interesting question this hour, in addition to getting sent a magnet, and and by the way, the uh, judges of what the most interesting question is, is our three-person staff here of Tony, Matt Blaze, and Elias. Whoever comes up with the most interesting question, I will happily, out of my own pocket, make a $50 donation to the charity of your choice, in your name. I'll make a donation in your name to the charity of your choice, out of my own pocket, happily. So, uh, it's, figure it's Friday, getting paid today, what's $50? I'll probably, with the weight, the way that I'm picking uh, football picks as accurately as can be, that's probably uh, the kind of thing I'll be lighting my cigars with by the end of the weekend. All right. Why don't we go ahead and get started? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Jerry is in New Jersey. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, hi, Frank. How are you doing? So I was wondering about this. And Say you're on a dark road and it's 2, 3 a.m. in the morning on a country road uh, in some you know state that is very desolate, like maybe Louisiana, for example, or Mississippi in certain parts, in certain other states, and you see an unidentified flying object, and you're the only one in the car, and you're the only one that sees it. 
And then the next day, you don't hear about it in the press and it's not in the news. So, you know, no one saw it but you. But you know that you saw it. I mean, you absolutely do. Uh, you weren't high. You weren't drunk. or anything. Mm-hmm. So what would you do? Who would you tell first if you would tell anyone? And how do you avoid the repercussions of people thinking, well, you must have been high or drunk or you're looking for attention or you're losing your mind? Okay, uh, great question, because this is something, this is why, and we may get into this a little bit next hour with Bill Burns, but this is one of the reasons why there's new UAP or UFO reporting requirements for, or reporting guidelines for commercial airline pilots, because what's been happening uh, the last 30, 40 years is people have been seeing objects and they're afraid to come forward precisely because of the stigma that that you mentioned. People think you're a crackpot. Mm -hmm. Now, I think uh, because of the military videos that have come forward because more airline pilots and airline staff who are credible are coming forward i think it's a little less stigmatized so even if i was by myself and i didn't have photo evidence and or proof of it i absolutely would tell people first i would uh tell um my wife just because you know i generally do a download with her of uh, whatever happens throughout my day and then i would go to mufon uh the uh, mutual ufo network which uh, monitors these sort of things and there's also a uh, a UFO uh, reporting database that I would contact as well because the first thing that those entities do if you uh, report a UFO to them is they take a look and see could it have been something else? Was there some bizarre airline traffic or some interesting weather phenomena in that area? And maybe the answer is as simple as that. Maybe there was some bizarre weather phenomena in that area that explains the sighting. If there's not, then at least it's registered... And if people view me as a, a little bit of a crackpot, if I uh, come forward with this on my own, so be it. There's probably so many people that already view me as a crackpot. What's one or two more, right? So, yeah. No, my answer is, and I think it's a great question, but it's something that I, uh, and I hope everyone does the same thing. You're not doing anyone any favors if you see a UAP keeping it to yourself. You're just not. And by the way, I... I'm not saying it's aliens. I have no idea what these objects are. I asked uh, a week ago, Dr. Uh, Paul Sutter, when he was on this program, this guy is a PhD, a NASA advisor, very serious scientist. I said, what are these things? And he said, I don't know. Well, if he doesn't know, how do I know? But I'm open-minded that it could be anything. 800-848-9222. George, what's your question? Hi, Frank. Hi. Hi. Listen, do you have a pen handy and paper? Because you might have to write this down. Oh, boy, this okay. This is a gambling, complicated, not very, but, but you know you're smart enough. Okay. You'll uh, figure out. Sure. All right. It's a, it's a, a multi-question. Uh, for example, here, you, you are getting ready 6 in the morning, right? Friday morning to go home in your car. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. open the door, you find $100,000, right, cash. Mm-hmm. And there you have to, uh, it's uh, been uh, provided to you, you know, because uh, the person loves your show so much, you know, and you so much, that he or she has left it in there, but under certain provide uh, provisions. One, you have to uh, go to the casino and place everything, the 100000 on black or uh, red, and 75% chance you have to uh, win, double it, 25% to lose that. Or you can use it for 
draw tickets, 100,000 worth, you know, and uh, have a 25% chance of winning $500,000, you know, or put it on the NFL playoff games with 75% chance to double it. And finally, uh, one session of gambling from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., win or double it, you know, uh, uh, at the at your favorite casinos, and in that option four, is it specified what game that I have to play, or I have some flexibility? Any ga- no, you you can play from three p.m. to three a.m. Gotcha. Any game you like, and you could double the hundred thousand dollars. So uh, so you'd be there twelve hours roughly. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I uh, look. I, my uh, initial thinking is that I would go um, to the casino for twelve hours and play. I would divide what I was going to play evenly uh, between um, slots, which I'm not really a slot player. But if you have that kind of money, you can really rack up the comps. So I could probably elevate my tier status at whatever casino that I'm playing and make sure I get lounge access and, you know, a free rooms for quite some time. So I would divide it between slots, which would get me the best comps, um, craps, which I enjoy playing the most, and where if you have some money to, you know, to ride the peaks and valleys, I, you know, there's a pretty good chance you'll end up a winner. And with that kind of money, you can place a lot of hard way bets that I probably wouldn't play, place if I'm just, you know, doing what I normally do, which is playing with 300 bucks. And um, Baccarat, where you, can, um, where you can win a lot of money very quickly. You can also lose a lot of money very quickly. But I think it would be a lot of fun, and that would be my pick. I would not, you know, as far as your first scenario of going to the casino and putting it on black or red at the blackjack table, at least the casinos that I've been to, there's a maximum bet at, uh, at uh, not blackjack, at uh, roulette. There's a maximum bet, and there's no casino that I've seen that allows you, maybe there is, but uh, not that I've ever played. There's no way that I've ever seen that lets you have a $100,000 bet in one spin of the roulette wheel. So I think that's a little impractical. I mean, the whole scenario is a little impractical. But out of the four that you mentioned, they're all appealing. Uh, but I would say I'm picking uh, number four, gambling at games of my choice from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Pete is in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Frank, would you be willing to see the Mets trade Pete Alonzo? No. Any evil to an NS East rival, even though they might get a pretty good deal compared to anybody else. Well, I, honestly, I think Pete Alonso is the franchise at this point. I'm thrilled that the Mets have re-signed him. I just wish they would have signed him for more than uh, one year. I love him. I mean, he's not only a great player, but he seems like a great guy. I love that when he won the home run derby, he gave the money to charity. The team, When the Mets are good, he's great. When the Mets are bad, he's great. He seems like a great player with a great attitude, and he's someone that I hope uh, finishes his whole career and plays his whole career as a Met. If you were to force me to trade him because, look, you got a word that somehow you knew that he was not going to, um, you know, not going to resign after the year. Look, if there was some scenario, and I don't think we could pull this off, but if there was some scenario in which we could get Shohei Otani for Pete Alonso, that would be great. But uh, barring that, barring a trade for Shohei Otani, no, I'm sticking with Pete Alonso no matter what. Going, going with Pete. The polar bear, no matter what. there. If you walk into my house, I have a, a lot of bobbleheads. Most of them are in my office. 
Most of them are presidents. A couple are not presidents. I have, uh, a, a, you know, a couple of other things. But there's one bobblehead that's in our family room, re- right near one of the many bookshelves we have, and it's Pete Alonzo. That is the only bobblehead that's present in our family room. And if I had to see him in a Philadelphia Phillies cap or an or you know, an Atlanta Braves cap, God forbid, or a Miami Marlins cap. Ugh, it would break my heart. It would break my heart. It would be like Jackie Robinson going to the New York Giants for Dodgers fans back in the uh, back in the fifties. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Eddie is in New Jersey. Hi, Eddie. Do you have a Trump bobblehead? Yes, I do. Cool. Okay, let me ask you this: Why do you think is the case that? The longer a member of Congress has been serving, the more likely they are to have been elected in the special election. In general, member, I think it's about one out of six members of Congress were elected in special. If you go to the members who were elected before 2000, meaning in 1900, it's about one out of four. And from before 1990, it's half. That's one out of two. You know, uh, you first of all, says? I had no idea that was the case. That's fascinating. And if you could actually email me that, I'd like to research that a little bit my own. I'm just curious, um, and I'm not disputing your numbers. Uh, does that include members of the House and Senate or just the House? No, just the House. Well, obviously, I did the right. Calculation there was, myself, so. what, sorry? I did the calculation myself. Gotcha. Okay. Up, and, um, and obviously, yeah, there's not really special elections for Senate generally in most states anyway. But um, I don't know. I mean, I w- I, it's pure conjecture on my part, and I'd like to think about it a little bit. But I'm going—my speculation is that the rules in most states are—I mean, look, the rules vary in every state. But in my home state, unlike a regular congressional election where if someone wanted to run, they could just collect signatures and run— In a special election, you can't do that as a Democrat or a Republican. You can only run as the Democrat and the Republican or the Republican if you're handpicked by the party. In, For instance, with this uh, upcoming special election for George Santos to see, Tom Suozzi was picked by the Democrats and uh, Maisie Pillip, even though she's a registered Democrat, she was picked by the Republicans. So my speculation, if your numbers are accurate, and I believe you, and I, I would appreciate if you could send them to me, my speculation is... If you're someone that would be handpicked by a political party for a congressional seat rather than someone who goes out there and wins over the hearts and minds of voters on your own, chances are you have a pretty strong fundraising infrastructure and you have a pretty strong relationships with your local party, the state party, and the national party that would allow you to get picked in the first place. So those same advantages that allowed you to be selected in the first place probably guarantee that uh, you're going to do well in terms of going up the hierarchy of House leadership and probably indicate you're going to be well-funded by the DCCC or the uh, or the Republican equivalent. So that's my guess, but not knowing that uh, and until a second ago, and I am appreciative that you shared that with me, I really, it's only a guess. I'd want to look into it a, a little bit more. It's a little bit, and again, this is all premised on the fact that Eddie knows what he's talking about, but I'll assume he does. It's a little bit like people that get accepted to Ivy League schools. Um, if you're getting accepted, in most cases, right? I mean, I'm not talking a legacy situation, but if you're getting accepted to Harvard, Yale, one of the great schools, Columbia, chances are you have great grades, 
very strong SAT or ACT scores, and a lot of very strong extracurricular activities, and you probably wrote a killer essay. And chances are you're going to be very successful because most people that graduate from Harvard, whether you're you know, um, on the Supreme Court or in Congress or in the, a titan of industry, you graduated from Harvard or Yale, that degree will open all sorts of doors for you. But chances are if you went to any school with the kind of academic credentials that you had that got you into Harvard – you probably would have done just as well in life or close to it. Some people disagree. One of the people that disagrees is Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden was uh, very eager to have his sons, all his children, go to uh, Ivy League schools because he said that there is a river of power that the, in this country and it flows through the Ivy League. That's why Hunter Biden went to uh, Yale Law School, right? Um and, you know, so some people believe it is the Ivy League that opens. I happen to think that if you're a little smarter than the average bear and you make it into an Ivy League school, you're going to be fine no matter where you end up going. And I think Bo went to University of Pennsylvania, which is certainly in the Ivy League as well. All right. 800-848-9222. Peter is in Harlem. Hi, Peter. Hey, I got a question for you. Everybody likes a good mob movie, and uh, most of our perceptions are formed by mob movies. Question now, is there any detriment in that? Because I grew up in East Harlem, and I noticed that a lot of smart kids were stigmatized because of their, those movies or their ethnicity or whatever. Has you, have you ever been stigmatized because you have, are, are of a certain background? Honestly, it's a great question, Peter. I don't think I have. I, I think you have... Um, I mean, I've had people make jokes, right? Um, I'm not someone that gets too bothered by a joke, um, you know, even if it's at... Uh, even if it's, a, if it's an ethnic joke at my expense, I don't think I've ever lost a job or been fired by a job or you know certainly been the victim of uh, an assault because of my ethnicity. I don't think so. But I think your broader point, Peter, is uh, very true. I think, yeah, I think a lot of these um, mob pictures, they create an image in a lot of people's minds that, uh, you know— uh, Italians or and maybe even other ethnic groups that are similarly portrayed, but people of Italian descent are of low class or uh, the only way they're able to do well financially is if they're um, you know doing something crooked. And I've seen that um, whispered. Right. I mean, there have been times when I've been campaigning with politicians over the years and someone w- will come to the door who doesn't use the best enunciations that drops their R's at the end of sentences and things of that nature. And they have these beautiful, beautiful houses. And there's been more than one occasion where whatever politician I'm walking with will turn to me after we leave their house and say, huh, what do you think that guy does for a living? And the implication is clear that because of that person's last name and they seem to have a lot of money that they think they're in the mob when, you know, the reality is they could have any number of jobs, but that's the first place people's Eyes jump, but yes, I do think there is a uh, a detriment to you know the stigmatization of um, 
Italians in, in mob movies. And I think that we need to be on the lookout for that, right? In every culture. I, I think whether it's uh, how uh, many blacks are portrayed in rap songs or whether it's how, uh, you know, certain dads are portrayed on sitcoms or how uh, Italians are displayed in mob movies, I think we need to be aware of our own biases and what may have shaped them. So, yeah, I think that's a great question and a real concern. All right, we're going to continue with your questions in a moment. 800-848-9222, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Brothers, and uh, this is a birthday bumper music selection from my friend Gary Gotland, who uh, I haven't seen in a few years, uh, but he and I were very close friends. We'd hang out all the time. He was uh, the public administrator in the community that I uh, that I lived in, that I live in, and uh, he did after retirement what so many New Yorkers did. He moved to Florida, but he's a great guy. And today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Gary. And a great song selection with Unchained Melody. All right. We are in the midst of... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Neil! Hello there. Happy Friday. What's on your mind? All right, Frank. Uh... Your popularity in uh, on the radio now, and also being known in Staten Island as the Adonis of the Borough. Right. Uh, if you were doing porn, Frank, uh, as they say in France, what would be your nom de plume? Well, and when it comes to names for you know your adult film name, there's a pretty tried and true formula. What you're supposed to do is take the first pet that you ever had and then the first street that you ever lived on, and that's your adult film star name. So in my case, we had a German shepherd named Max, and my um, the street that I was born on was Amador Street. So my adult film star name would be Max Amador. Now, the... The, maybe the twist on that would be uh, Amador is in uh, a neighborhood called Mariner's Harbor, and Max Mariner sounds a little bit better because it's it's uh, illustrative. So I would uh, maybe I would go with one of those two, either Max Amador or Max Mariner. 
Excellent, Frank. Good luck in your new career. Thank you, Neil. Believe me, I will need it. 800-848-9222. Alfredo is in Newark. Hello, Alfredo. Yes, Frank, how are you? Uh, (laughs) Frank, you you have to die in order to save 1,000 people. You will do it or not? It's a great question. Um, am I dying today or in 10 years, 20 years, or right away? Right now. Okay. Do the thousand people know that I have given my life to save them? How many? What? Sorry? How many you will give yourself, your life? Yeah, in yeah. In order to save how many people? Right, right. But my question is, do the, will the people know that I gave my life to save them? Or will it be totally anonymous? No, you say already, ten, for 1,000, you will, do, you will not do it. So for how many, you will do it? Well, no, I mean, I would do it for 1,000 if they all know that I'm the reason they're alive. I want some statues or some some charities named for me or some some uh, scholarship in my name. So so I, I know that sounds ridiculously egotistical, but that's true. I'd like a legacy to uh, pass on. Now you might say, "All right, isn't saving a thousand people more important than just your own life?" Well, I mean, maybe not, right? Because I have a son that's two years old, and I'd like for him to grow up w- with me as his father, and I'd like to help shape his life. And there's no telling what he might be able to do. If I teach him some interesting things, he might be able to save more than a thousand people. However, you know, a thousand people, if they know that I'm responsible for their living, like a Schindler's List kind of a deal, then then I would probably go along with it. I, I'm being uh, as honest as I can here. All right, 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Hello. Uh, get ready for a fastball. Um, given the fact that Pete Rose is not still not allowed into the Hall of Fame, do you think the Mets have undermined the standards of greatness by retiring the numbers of Doc Good, Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, both of whom have had troubles with drugs? Uh, no. Well, for starters, I absolutely think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. And secondly, I think, um, you know, the consideration of uh, Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry is totally, totally different. I I think these are two of the greatest Mets of all time. I think their issues with drugs, um, I mean, it's terrible for them uh, because they would have had, uh, obviously, much longer careers, but for their issues with drugs, especially Doc Gooden. But even with all of their issues... I mean, the numbers they put up were incredible. And look, we've only had two championships as 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 Mets. And if you're going to name th- four people, if you're going to name three people that are responsible for one of those championships in 1986, doesn't matter who. You're talking owners, you're talking managers, you're talking players. Whatever three names you come up with, two of them are Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. Some people may argue on the third. Maybe it's Gary Carter. Maybe it's Keith Hernandez. Maybe it's uh, Davey Johnson. Maybe it's someone else. But to me, their role in Metdom is incredible. I I was so brokenhearted when Daryl made the decision to go to um, to the Dodgers. I wish he would have stayed a Met for the rest of his career, even with all his difficulties. All right. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Ray is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, Ray. 
Hi, Frank. Um, Lorne Michaels has tapped you as the next SNL host. Okay. Who would you pick as your musical guest, and what skit would you like to do? Ooh, that's something interesting. I would... Um, okay, so the musical guest... I, I don't know that the host gets to pick the musical guest, but I'll go along with it for the purposes of this discussion. I would pick uh, Fitz and the Tantrums. I love Fitz and the Tantrums, and I think they they have a vibe, and their kind of music is so great for uh, for Saturday nights. I think it would fit well, and it gets me in an, in an upbeat mood, so I it would kind of keep me in the zone... By hearing them do, um, you know, uh, hand clap or the walker or um, the money grabber, I-, I think they'd be a great, great musical addition. As far as a skit, I would look. I would probably kind of try to lean on my. I would do one of two things. I would try to lean on my radio background a bit, and I would try to do a recreation of the of the uh, TV show Frasier, but just the portion where he's answering calls on the radio and all of the people that would be calling me would be troubled members of Congress or troubled news figures. Like Hunter Biden is calling me because, um, you know, he's having difficulties selling his art. Or uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is calling me because uh, she's having difficulty operating a Jewish laser. Or, um, you know, all these people are calling me and I have to give them all this sort of uh, advice. The other thing, I would love to be part of an old skit. If they could get... Um, Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin to come back. I'd love to be part of, um, you know, two wild and crazy guys or uh, the guys that uh, did the Night at the Roxbury thing. If we could get a cameo from one of the old SNL guys, because that's really when I used to watch SNL. I haven't watched it in years. I'd love to do something like that. But I'd be flattered just to be, you know, be there. All right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Fugazi Tom is in the Bronx. Hello, Fugazi. Hey, Mike. Frank, I'm sorry. It's okay. Hey, out of our football, I'm sorry. (laughs) Out of our football and baseball teams, would you like to see any of them in a dome stadium? And which one? Well, I don't... um, I really am not into domes for the most part. And, you know, football you can play with with inclement weather. I Look, if you're counting it as one of the New York teams, and really I do... I would love to see the Buffalo Bills in a dome stadium. I, I thought it was absurd okay, on. Um, yeah. I thought it was absurd on Sunday that they had to postpone the game a day because of all the snow, and then they had to hire all these random people at twenty dollars an hour to shovel the snow off of all the seats. I mean, what sense does that make? So I would go with the Buffalo Bills. If there's anybody in our area that deserves a dome, I would say it's them. Okay, I agree with you. That's good. Thank you, Fugazi Tom. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. I will say hello to Bob in Manorville. Hello, Bob. Hey, Frank. Um, this, isn't, this isn't my question, but uh, did you hear that Buddy Harrelson passed away? Yes, I talked about it at the time. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, my question is, uh, I'm a big Trump guy, um, and, you know, Donald Trump, he gives everybody nicknames. So, um, which is your favorite nickname and um, that he's given, and the, and which one do you think is the most accurate? I know oh. mine is uh, mine is Pocahontas. 
Hook on. Anyway, that's interesting. Oh, there's a lot of good ones uh, that he's uh, that he's given. I like, um, you know, I, I see. I like a name that's not too mean, but that's one funny and two accurate. Right. So that's that's where I kind of like that. So I like um, I like uh, low energy Jeb. I like low energy Jeb because if you're looking for a perfect description of of uh, Jeb Bush, it's it's low energy and it's not too mean. Right. But it is it is, you know, it is accurate, I think. Right. So that's probably the one that I'm going with. However, and that's just for people. If we're talking about um, objects and items, I no longer and my wife will tell you this. I no longer refer to coffee as coffee. I refer to coffee as Kavefi because of that one tweet that he had about Kavefi. I thought that was a wonderful word. I'm not even sure what it means, but I use it. Every single day. And I didn't even drink Kavefi even anymore. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Mickey is in Baltimore. Hello, Mickey. Hi, Frank. If you had to lose either the ability to ever watch a video on the computer or your sense of smell, which one would you give up? Hmm. I could never watch a video on the computer or my sense of smell. I don't I'm going to go with I would go I would give up my sense of smell. I'll be honest, my sense of smell is not the best as it is. So I feel like I would not be losing that much, but I feel like given my work and that I'm looking at a lot of online videos all day long that um it would be a very difficult thing for me to just give that up. So I'm going with the uh, I'm I hate to do it, but I am going I'm giving away with I'm go, doing away with the sense of smell. We'll continue with your questions straight ahead. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. After the hour, these are obviously the Rolling Stones singing about satisfaction. This is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from my cousin Howie, Howie Logan. He's technically my cousin-in-law, but I love him just like a a cousin. He's married to my cousin Kathy and a wonderful guy, a wonderful guy who uh, I've had the privilege of knowing several decades now. And um, 
really, really just uh, was always so kind to me as a child. He he was the person, talking about football, he took me to my first ever Giants game, and perhaps more important than that, took me at that particular game, uh, football Giants, to my first ever tailgate at a football game. What an experience that was. So, uh, happy birthday, Howie. If anybody runs into Howie today, be sure to wish him a happy birthday. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Martin. What's your question, Martin? Hi, Frank. I love your show. My question is, um, if for every reason you would change religion by choice, not by force, which which one would you choose to change it to? Well, Let's say you want to be more. Yeah, go ahead. Finish your comment. Let's say let's say you feel you're not spiritually enough fulfilled and you want to try something else. What would it be? And number two, what I want to know is, um, since your wife is Jewish, is Carmine will will be a Christian or Jewish or none of those? Which one will you choose for him? Well, we baptized him as a uh, as a Christian. So when in terms of the changing religion, does it count if I'm picking picking another sect of of uh, Christianity, no, no, no. So uh, all the Christian Christian sects are out, right? Okay. Um, hmm. I'm going either with then Reformed Jew, or I'm going with Buddhism. I like a lot of aspects wow. of uh, of both. So I'm going with one of those two. I'd, I'll be um, honest that. Yeah. Well, I was guessing. That's what was my guess. These yeah. two. Okay. Yeah, really, really. See, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you, uh, thank you, Martin. Maybe I'll see you at the uh, next Buddhist temple meeting. <laughs> thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to Dave calling from Las Vegas. What's your question, Dave? Hello, Frank. Before I ask the question, I, I just the uh, the stadium that they're building for the Bills. Um, it's also an open-air stadium. I know, it's crazy to me. I mean, you'd think as a taxpayer, if we're spending a couple of billion dollars to build them a new stadium, at least somebody would have the idea of, oh, gee, it snows all the time up here. Maybe we should put on a dome up here. Crazy. And my my question is, as far as pretzels, your favorite type and shape? Um, hot, soft pretzel with with mustard. I'll tell you what I've had a few times and I just really love. It's the hot soft pretzel with cheese inside of it. Inside of the pretzel. And I like the standard large pretzel shape that you can kind of break off and maybe dip it in the mustard or if there's a cheese sauce you could dip it in that. Barring that, I like a straight a long straight pretzel. Nothing like a basic twist, huh? Exactly. I like the basic twist. That's where it's where I am. Thank you, Dave. 800-848-9222. Uh, let me say hello to Nate in New Jersey. Hi, Nate. Hey, Frank. How are you? Uh, my question for you is, if you had 24 hours left to live, besides spending time with your family, what would you do? Let's see. Do I have 24 hours left to live because the world is ending or do I have 24 hours left to live because I'm, you know, uh, afflicted with a disease or a terminal illness of some type? So you're fully capable of doing whatever you want. You're fully healthy. Just in 24 hours, you're going to you're going to die. Uh, OK, um, 
So what am I doing? I guess I'm having a, uh, I'm spending an hour, maybe two hours, having a very good meal at a, a restaurant that I really enjoy with a collection of maybe about 10 people that I uh, really care about. No more than 10 because it's difficult to make uh, make conversation with anybody, you know, w- with anybody more than that. So I'm doing that. Uh, I am absolutely 100% going to an elaborate cocktail bar and uh, and uh, imbibing heavily, uh, probably with martinis or something along those lines. I am, uh, before I get drunk though, before I go out to dinner, I am spending a lot of time collecting my thoughts and uh, writing my son a letter about different things that I've uh, done in my life that I'd like him to be aware of, different lessons that I'd learn, and um, whatever guidance that I could offer offer him as well. And uh, maybe I would even record a, a video as well. Uh, then I would, let's see, what else? I would... Um, I would like to go outside a bit. I like a long, leisurely walk, so I would uh, I would try and do that, and I would absolutely uh, try and get some some ping pong in. So uh, I got ping pong, a big meal, a um, a visit to a bar that leaves me rather soused, uh, some letter writing, maybe some journal writing, and maybe a video recording, and. Um, and some ping pong. That's pretty much my final 24 hours. All right. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Nate. Great question. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Frank, what are your three favorite scenes in three different movies? Ooh. Oh, I wish I had more time to prepare for this one. Um, okay, my three favorite scenes in three different movies. I'm going to try and pick three very different genres uh, so that uh, at least it keeps it keeps it interesting. All right, in um, The Godfather, I am picking the scene where um, Michael is telling Carlo that um, that he is aware that he fingered Sonny to the uh bars to the uh Tatalia people. That's the one I'm picking in The Godfather. In the musical 1776, I am picking when um John Adams uh comes into the scene and everybody starts singing Sit Down John. And in um Star Trek 2: The Wrath of Khan, I'm picking uh Spock's death. Okay. Very good. Those are my three. I still, you know, I know what happens when I see Star Trek Two, and I'll be honest. Every single time I see Star Trek Two, I cry, and I know it's coming, and I know when it's coming. I just can't help myself. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's say hello to Bob in Bayside. Hey there, Bob. Yeah, hi, Frank. Okay, if you had an opportunity to actually be a famous historical figure, okay, and now it could be an inventor, a sports figure, anyone, and perhaps in certain cases this person might have been known for more than one thing that they had accomplished, who would that be? And it could just be one thing as well. Who would that person be? Well, 
like, do I get their knowledge and abilities and all that sort of thing? Like, if they yeah, were an inventor, you will actually be that person gotcha. for one thing that they had accomplished. Okay, I'm going with uh, I'm going with probably Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, I don't know that there's a person in history that has more accomplishments in more different disciplines than Leonardo da Vinci. And uh, I really admire da Vinci, and he was such an interesting guy, and I would he did so many different things. I feel like I'd never get bored, even though you know they didn't have high-speed internet back in those days. I'm picking da Vinci. Great question, though, Bob. Okay, thank you. Thank Good you. 800-848-9222. One open line. We'll try and squeeze in everybody here that, uh, that may have a question. Let me say hello to Gary in Inwood. Hi, Gary. Good morning, Frank. If you had the opportunity to go to Sun Studio in Memphis and sit in on a recording session, past or present of a group recording, who would that be? Well, uh, give me a reminder of some of the people that recorded at Sun Studios. First and foremost, Elvis Presley. Right. I, that I, I so uh, oh so. Um, Tony says Johnny Cash. I'm looking this up here. Jerry Lee Lewis apparently recorded there. BB um, King. Tony says that recorded there. You know, I know maybe it's an easy answer, but I'm going with um, I'm going with Elvis Presley. I'm a big Elvis fan, and uh, I think just to see him do his thing on a, a creative level, I would have gotten a a big kick out of that. So I'm going with Elvis. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Hudson is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, Hudson. Hey, Frank. How's it going? Um, so my question is, if you can be an actor in any movie that you've ever seen, but you're the actor, so you would replace that actor and you would have to do the whole thing, what movie would you choose? And what actor would you replace? You know, I've gotten questions like this before, and I am very careful because I don't want to really ruin a movie that I enjoyed by, um, by you know, by taking someone that's a good actor and me replacing them. So I would, you know, I think, I don't know what I've answered previously, but I think I might pick, um, I might pick... Either the original Casino Royale with David Niven and Woody Na- Woody Allen and Peter Sellers. I might, you know, William Holden has a small role in that that I could easily have done. He basically just comes in and waves and says hi. And I would do that because I don't think I would ruin the film by playing the Woody the William Holden role. I could do it just as well or just as poorly as William Holden did. And there are so many great characters in that film that I'd love to work with. Not just David Niven and Peter Sellers, but Woody Allen, Orson Welles, Ursula Andress. I mean, just to spend a day, let alone six weeks of principal photography with any of them would have been great. If if I'm not picking William Holden, I'm picking Eric McCormick in a film called Free Enterprise. Free Enterprise is a film that's about 25 years old. Most people haven't seen But if anybody out there is a Shatner fan, this film is required viewing. And the main there's two main characters, and I really so relate to what both of them are going through in terms of life, in terms of relationships, in terms of career. And I think I could have done the Eric McCormick role 
very, very well, and I think I would have had a good time working with uh, with Shatner and all the guys that made that picture behind the scenes as well. Great question, though. 800-848-9222, let us say hello to Joe in Huntington. Hi, Joe. Yes. Well, uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, what would you say was the greatest scene in Gladiator? You I know, mean, uh, what, what he talked about, so he, he had talked about to the to the other men that were with him in in, in the Colosseum. When you say he talked about the other men that were with him, I, I'm not sure I understand yes. the qualifier. What he what, what, what he was, what he was coaching them, so to speak. You know, I haven't seen Gladiator since it was in theaters. Honestly, so the the first scene yeah. that came to my mind without the qualifier that you added on there would be uh, when he says, uh, you know, my name is Marcus Aurelius, whatever, so-and-so, uh, you know, father to a, a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. That was certainly pretty dramatic, and that that's probably what I would pick. Uh, thanks, Joe. I, yeah, I loved Gladiator. I saw it in theaters, but I haven't seen it since then. Uh, 800-848-9222. We'll have time for a couple more here. Robert is in Philadelphia. Hello, Robert. Hi, Frank. It's good to talk to you. I heard you talking earlier about college, and it made me think of something that I've been thinking about. And it's not political, okay, even though the political craziness around it might have be a consideration in your answer. But I'm looking at the future of college, okay, and I'm uh, like the, pen, the governor here in Pennsylvania loosened up requirements for college education, for state jobs, and there seems to be a resurgence in tech schools. Okay, Robert, only got about 30 seconds here. What's your question? I know they're too big big to fail. What do you see as as the future of college in America? You know, unfortunately, Robert, in the short term, I see tuition continuing to go up at pretty close to the rate that it's been going up on all these... all these years. So uh, I, you know, I, I hate to say that because, you know, I'm going to have to pay this bill in 16 years or so, at least a good chunk of it. But I don't am not I'm not optimistic that anything is going to be done for uh, the cost of college in the near or short term. All right. A lot of good questions today. And I'm going to make a $50 contribution to the charity of of choice for whomever is selected as the winner. Tony, Matt Blaze, Elias, do you guys have a consensus? Yeah, Nate in New Jersey, 24 hours left to live. Nate in New Jersey had a question about if you had 24 hours left to live. Uh, Nate, call call back, give Matt your information. I'll be in touch with you via email, and we'll send you a magnet. Till next hour, keep asking questions.